Hey, Celebration, what's up? I hope everyone is having a great weekend. I'm actually in Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend. I am preaching at a next-gen conference, over 20,000 students at this conference, man. I'm really excited how God is moving all across this nation into the lives of students. And you know, we have a big heart for that here at Celebration. And speaking of that, I wanted to bring you up to speed on a couple more initiatives that we've had for this year. First of all, our offices and college. Can you believe it? We are moving back to our Midtown location for Celebration College and offices only. Many of you know that we actually had sold this to a church. It was actually a lease to own. They leased it for several months, and now they're moving out, which is great for us because we really need the space. So we're in the process of renovating that right now. We'll be moving back in in the summer where we'll have our central offices there. We'll also have tons of classrooms for groups, and it will also be home to Celebration College, and it will be able to hold up to 500 students. We are so, so excited. We'll also be having weekend services there beginning early in 2017. And so we're real excited about that. I know many of you came to know Jesus at our Midtown location, and so it has good memories for you. And so we're so glad that we're getting that back. So, hey, listen, you are going to hear a great message from one of our phenomenal communicators here at Celebration uh, today, and I will see you soon. God bless, church. All right, Saturday night, how we doing? Yeah, come on, look at you young and hip and coming to church on a Saturday night. Yes. Gosh, you people know how to spend your weekend. That's all I'm saying. Great to see you. Hey, listen, my name is Petey Bingham, and I am the Celebration College pastor here at Celebration Church. Yeah, they're pretty cool, I guess. Um, but hey, listen, before we do anything, I just, I just want to take a second to do this. Um, y'all, I don't know that you know, that you even have any kind of understanding what an honor it is to have Pastor Stovall and Pastor Carey as our pastors. I mean, they are two of the most gracious, humble, and selfless people I've ever met in my entire life. And to be able to serve underneath them and, and to be trusted with this microphone here tonight, it means the world to me. And so if we could, it would mean a lot to me if we could take a second to clap for them. Love them. We love them so much. They're amazing. Hey, a uh, quick shout out to uh, Keith Pittman Jr. Um, listen, uh, thanks for diminishing my ability to look cool tonight. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, only you can pull off a denim shirt. That's all. Only you. The good news is you talk about 300, about Leonidas, you talk about him, I'll grow the beard. You're welcome. Where are you? Are you not even here? He's gone. He left. He doesn't care about me. Anyway, um, but nonetheless, also sitting here tonight is my beautiful wife, Farah. Um, yeah, she's a beaut. That's my proof there's a God right there. That face got that one. I don't know how that happened. But if you'll notice, um, she's also uh, packing on a little weight in the form of a baby girl over there. Yeah. Thanks for being excited for me. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, Quinn, her name's Quinn, Quinn Bingham, remember that, because she's going to change the world, so right alongside with her mother, so no big deal, but y'all, I'm super excited about tonight, listen, I don't, I don't think I can even put words to how excited I, I am about what's about to go down, um, if you know anything about me, you'll know two things, number one, you'll know that I love making God a reality for people, okay, all that means is I like bridging the gap between supernatural and natural, because God created everything, and so therefore he is in creation, and so showing people that God is in creation is one of my hobbies, and I love it, here's the second thing you should know about me. Um, I suffer with a bit of a condition. It's called, um, what's that word? Oh, that's right. ADD. 
And um, yeah, it's, it's tough, paired with a lot of energy. And so people, um, people tend to perceive me in, in a few different ways. The first way they tend to perceive me and there's like, dude, dude, I, I love your energy. Can I have your energy? Can you like bottle up your energy and give it to me? And I'm like, cool. Uh, first off, um, that's a creepy request, very creepy request. And number two, thanks. I appreciate that. The other people in response to me are like, yo, that guy is a lot. There is a lot going on there. I don't know what to do with my hands when I'm with him. What's going on? This is weird. My poor wife's people, every day people are like, how do you, do you live with him okay? Like, are, do you need anything? Are you good? And poor Farrah's like, I don't even know about my life anymore. But anyway, but I got her pregnant, so we're good. Anyway, so she's mine now. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it got weird, didn't it? But nonetheless, um, because of that, my, my whole life, uh, those people, I, I've always received this statement from people all the time. And maybe you've heard this before, where you're bouncing off the wall, you're being crazy, and people just kind of like, Pete, stop. Just breathe for a minute. And you're like, who says that? Just breathe for a minute. First of all, of course I'm breathing. I'm alive. So joke's on you. Second of all, who says that? I'm offended, right? And then you get mad, and it's weird, all right? So there was a time in my life where um, I, I was going through quite a bit, and we're going to talk a, a little bit more about that here in a second. But I was going through quite a bit, and I remember I was, I was sitting um, at our Midtown location, and, and I was really seeking after God, and I was going after him. And I was like, God, I just need your peace and your joy and some other stuff that you provide as well, because I was a young Christian then. I don't know what's going on, but I was like, I just know that you help, so whatever. And so I was begging out to God, and I remember for one of the first times in my life, I felt God moving me, and I felt like God told me, believe it or not, Petey, just let it breathe. And I was like, no, no, you didn't. You have joined the dark side. Not cool. But nonetheless, I had a revelation right there in the moment that said, hey, if breathing is vital to life, then maybe this message of what God is trying to teach me in this season is vital to my life. And lo and behold, I, I jumped into some research and started seeking after God um, about that very topic, and it turns out it changed my life forever. And so tonight, I want to share with you uh, my findings and my revelations in that time with God. So tonight, we're going to talk about the breath of God and its implications on creation and your genetics. The good news is it's going to be fun. The bad news is I don't know what half of those words mean. <clears throat> God, we love you so much, and Jesus, we're just so grateful for all that you do. And God, I just pray right now, Jesus, that you just give us brand new insight here tonight, God, as to who you are, and God, to what kind of implications the, your breath has on all of creation. God, we just love you, and we are so grateful for all that you do for us, God. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. So listen, here's the thing. If you just jump into the word and start pulling out scriptures about the breath of God, you find some pretty fascinating scripture. Let, let me read them to you real fast. Y'all just got to follow me. Okay, watch this. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So God breathed and the Bible came out. His word came out. John 20.22 this is right after Jesus has come back from the grave, resurrected, and come to his disciples and sending them off on the Great Commission. And he says this uh, in John 20, 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, breathed, and the Holy Spirit came out. Cool. All right, rock and roll. Psalm 33, 6. This is one of my favorites, and you might want to commit this one to memory for later. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all of their hosts. Here's what that means if you read it in some other translations. Basically what it means is that in all of creation, God breathed and stars were born. So God breathed and a star came out. What? 
Job 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath of the Almighty, the breath of God gives me life. And right there, when I read that scripture, it takes me back um, to the most obvious story of the breath of God that we have in the Bible. And of course, that brings us back to all of creation in the beginning. Right there in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, when God is creating everything, including human beings. Now, w- watch what happens when God makes Adam. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You read a little bit more down to where they're actually made. In Genesis 2, 7, and uh, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So right there in a moment, God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, and he was given life. Now, you have to think about what that's like, all right? So you have God creating everything, and he forms Adam out of the dust of the ground, right? So right there in front of God lies the shell of a human being, just a shell, no life yet. And keep in mind, during creation, God is speaking and things are coming into existence. God is like doing all these different things. He's putting everything into motion. He's speaking, whatever. But in this particular moment, when he's ready to give Adam life, he doesn't speak it into existence. He doesn't snap his fingers. He doesn't blink, whatever. He actually makes a decision right then and there to breathe into the nostrils of Adam to give him life. So the question is why? Why the difference? Why breathe into the nostrils of Adam? So... If you take life, both, so obviously spiritually it makes a lot of sense, but if you take life in its physical form and you break down what gives human life into its smallest molecular part of whatever it could be that gives it uniqueness and personality, you find yourself at the smallest molecular level, microscopic level of life that we call deoxyribonucleic acid. Yeah, use that in a sentence this week. But we more formally know that tiny molecule that gives us uniqueness and and plurality. What? Personality. Deoxyribonucleic acid. We know it more formally as DNA. Right? So in a moment, God seemingly breathes DNA into the nostrils of Adam. So if you give a definition to what DNA is... You find this. You find that DNA is defined as being self-replicating genetic information that is passed from parent to offspring. So remember that God made man in his image and in his likeness, male and female. He created them. And DNA went into them, DNA being defined as a self-replicating genetic information that is passed from parent to offspring. If it hasn't hit you yet, let me help you let it hit you. You ready? Self-replicating or made in the image of genetic information or made in the likeness of that's, that's passed from parent or father God to offspring or the children of God. So right there in a moment of not just supernatural being, but right there in a moment of physiological and physical breakthrough and miracle, God breathes DNA into the lungs of Adam that becomes his life blood that came only from the breath of God. Now here's the thing. DNA, DNA is much more fascinating than you even think it is. Check this out. So um, let's let's just take my me, right? Just me as a human being. I'm a pretty average dude. I'm like 175 pounds right at six feet. Okay, me right here. If you took all of the DNA that's in my body 
and you put it in a single file line, do you know how long it would stretch? Just me. It would stretch all the way from this platform to the moon and back again 600 times. Yeah, Google it later. I know it blows your mind, but it makes sense. I promise you, 600 times. In fact, it could go to the sun and back 100 times. That's crazy, right? So no, there is a lot of DNA in you. When God breathed DNA into Adam, it wasn't just a little bit. It was a whole lot of his image and likeness, right? Not only that, but check this out. How about in a single strand of DNA, which I think we have a picture of so you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, there it is. Boom. See, a single strand of DNA, just right there in a single strand of DNA that contains at a microscopic level. This is, you, your eyes can't see this, right? Just a single strand of DNA can hold three gigabytes of information. That's bigger than most of our jump drives for our computer. Three gigabytes in one strand. And one gram of DNA by weight. So one gram of DNA can hold 700 terabytes or over 700,000 gigabytes of information. And just a single gram of the DNA that flows through your blood. In two grams, you can store all of the information that has ever existed on planet Earth ever. And two grams of your DNA that's running through your lifeblood right now. And in, in, in an average human being like me right here, I contain about 45 grams of DNA in my body at one time. 45 grams. Two grams can hold all of the information ever. So you need to know that not only did God put a lot of that DNA in you, but it is powerful, right? And so when God made you in his image and in his likeness, when he puts Adam together, he breathed himself into the lifeblood of Adam and put a whole lot and a whole lot of his power into it. Now, the question is, what is wh how does that apply? What, is, what does that mean for us? Um, here's the thing. I, I just got done telling you, I've, I've been through a few hardships uh, in my life. And one, one of the most challenging seasons I've ever been to, I was about 21 years old. Um, and with a single phone call, everything changed for me. Right? I got a phone call that uh, my dad had had a massive heart attack and had just died. Um, in an instant, right? Fell on his bed. Um, his friend found him. You know, I just left the house about an hour before it happened. It was traumatic. And so that led to a series of things where I had to um, adopt my little sister um, and get her finished in high school. And we had to live by ourselves and somehow figure out life as a 21-year-old. Um, I was teaching sixth grade uh, in a school that's an hour away. So having to go back and forth and dealing with car issues. And we hit financial pain. And we just, I mean, it was just a season of craziness. And listen, in those seasons, it's so easy to have the mistaken idea that, that God is so distant. You know, I, I know what it feels like. It, it, it's like, God, where are you in this? God, I feel like everything is going wrong. I'm so overwhelmed. God, where are you? I need you more than ever, and I can't feel you. Maybe some of you feel like that in this room here tonight. Maybe you're facing some financial trouble. Uh, maybe you're dealing with some family issues or maybe uh, some spouse issues or some kids issues or, or maybe some things aren't going right at your job or maybe you want to be somewhere else. Who knows? And right now God feels so distant. But what I'm trying to tell you here tonight is all day I can tell you that when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And we can understand that spiritually. But what I'm trying to show you is that God is so much bigger than just the supernatural. But God lives right in the midst of who you are. The Bible says that we are the temple of God, that he dwells within us. And I'm showing you right now that even at a microscopic molecular level, God has imparted himself into you for, for, to carry you everywhere that you go. So remember that God is not distant. God is totally inwardly existent at all times, at every moment of the day. And all you have to do is open your heart to everything that he has for you. Check this out. Um, this is pretty fascinating. If you think about it, right, if you go back, um, uh, when he originally breathed that DNA into the lungs of Adam right then and there, 
It was, it was the purity of God that came in. They were still in the garden. The fall of man hasn't occurred yet. So it was the purity of God that went into his lifeblood, right? So sin hasn't in the picture. The fall of man hasn't occurred yet. So once that goes down, the whole forbidden fruit thing goes down, right? DNA was slightly manipulated, right? And that's what led us down the road of like generational sin um, and, and, and patterns that, that, that follow us throughout the years and whatnot. But nonetheless, at the root of our DNA is the purity of God. And so what you need to understand is that when you take a step back and you let God breathe on situations, he's not just rebreathing just regular old manipulated DNA. No, he's rebreathing that purity of life that was there in the garden. And so you need to understand this. The Bible calls this transformative power. It calls it, uh, it restores who you are. It makes you new. And so when God breathes on a situation or a circumstance or a healing, it's not God just being like, okay, whatever, just wait on me. It'll, it'll all be okay. No, God is literally breathing. Remember I told you when Jesus breathes, the Holy Spirit comes out. So when God breathes on a situation, it's not just hearsay. No, he's breathing joy and peace and gentleness into everything that happens to you. And all you got to do is step back and receive it. And y'all, listen, if you think that's deep, you want to you wanna go even deeper? Let's go even deeper, Pastor Jason. Let's do it. All right, so check this out. So, um, okay, if we zoom in on DNA, I think we have a picture of that as well. Where's that at? See, if we zoom in a little bit closer, do you see those? It looks like a ladder and like kind of the rungs of the ladder. You see those? Those are called nucleotides. Nucleotides, big word that you don't really need to know. It's just important that you know that nucleotides make up DNA, Okay. Fascinating thing about nucleotides is this. Nucleotides can only exist in a stable form in your DNA on planet Earth. There is nowhere else besides your DNA that, that those can exist anywhere on planet Earth. So it begs the question, is there anywhere else in all of creation in which nucleotides can exist? And the answer is yes, only one other place. And guess where that happens to be? Stars, if we can throw that picture as well. Now, if you remember, I told you to commit to memory just a second ago from Psalm 33, 6, that when God breathed, stars came out, right? And then I told you that right there in all of creation, when God was making man, he breathed into the lifeblood, into the lungs of Adam and imparted himself and that DNA into him. And so here we have already apologetical evidence, not just of the existence of God or the truth of the Bible, but more so than that, a whole brand new meaning to what it means to be the light of the world, because think about it. Think about it. If it, Spiritually, God breathes out of his mouth stars. Spiritually, breathes out of his mouth and gives Adam life. Physically, at a molecular level, God breathes and stars into motion, breathes out all that thing that is God, and then also breathes into the lung of Adam, and boom, there you have it, nucleotides existing in two different places that what the Bible says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And so that means that by nature, by a molecular level of who you are, you are already called to be the glory of God on planet Earth. So listen, if you, if you don't hear a single other thing that I say here tonight, it's important that you understand this, okay? Don't you go another single minute of your life convinced that you are meaningless. Don't go another minute of your life feeling like you have no purpose, believing the lies of the enemy who tells you that you are insignificant and that no, nothing that you do matters because I'm here to tell you tonight that even at a molecular level, God has called you to greater and more amazing things and you are already set up for a win, my friends. Don't look in a mirror any second longer and see nothing less than the masterpiece that God made you to be. So all I'm, all I'm here to tell you here, here tonight is, are you in a bad situation? Let God breathe on it. 
Are you in a bad relationship? God, let God breathe on it. Are you in a bad financial problem? Let God breathe on it. If things feel great, let God breathe on it. Are you tired? Let God breathe on it. Y'all, do we have time? Yeah, look, listen, you want, you want to go even more deeper? Pastor Jason, let's do it. Let's go even deeper. All right, watch this. So check this out. Did you know that statistically speaking, one of the biggest, we'll call it, grumbles of our society and the American culture is that people are always feeling tired? Right? That makes sense. I'm tired right now. Nonetheless, right? All right. So nonetheless, people are just always tired. Think about it with the demand of their jobs and the demand of their family and the demand of keeping themselves healthy and just all of these different things. People are just always tired. Right? Now check this out. So DNA at a molecular level exists in two places in a human cell. It exists only in two places of the cells of your body. The first place is the nucleus, all right? Now the nucleus, of course, is the core of the cell, of the core of who you are at a genetic level. That makes sense. Interestingly enough, the other place that DNA exists in the human cell is an area called the mitochondria. The mitochondria. Now, the purpose of the mitochondria is it is like the energy factory of the cell, right? So it's what tells the cell that it needs to be working hard or it's what tells the cell that it needs to be resting. And then based on the decision that it tells the rest of the cell, it supplies the energy and pulls the energy back to uh, withhold it, right? To, 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 to sustain it and, and, and hold it in one place. So it's funny that if you read your Bible and you recognize that God, when you're compelled by Jesus Christ to advance the kingdom of earth on planet earth and to fulfill the great commission, of course you're compelled by God to do some hard work. And here at Celebration Church, we value hard work. We love hard work because we know that we've been called to bring people to Jesus Christ and to have them experience heaven now, right? And so that is very much a part of our culture and our DNA here at Celebration. And even more so than that, God also calls us to rest, Right? There's a whole day. One-seventh of our week, by God, is devoted to us just resting and having a Sabbath. And so it's interesting to me that even at a molecular level, God has made you so that what he breathed into the lungs of Adam is the very thing that controls your energy and your work output. Hmm. So what that means to me is if you start trying to do things in your own strength, right, and you're out there trying to do things on your own, and you're trying to find the right time to rest, but you don't know what you're doing, you're doing all these things, and you're not seeking after God, you, you're, you, it throws off you, your whole body at a molecular level because it doesn't know when to activate, it doesn't know when to stop, it doesn't know when to keep going, it doesn't know when to slow down, ever. But when you seek after God, the same DNA that was put in you at the beginning of time, all of a sudden now God is in control of your physiology, and when that happens, then you find true rest, true energy, and true sustain in your life. Crazy, right? It's crazy. And so, Victor, if you want to come play some keys so I sound better than I usually do, because I don't sound good at all. Anyway, uh, but nonetheless, here's, here's what you need to know. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, I, I love this stuff. I love throwing around, like, these lofty ideas and talking about, like, how apologetically God is, God is in reality. God is in the creation in which he made. I, I love throwing this around. But the dangerous part of that is that all of that can just be knowledge, you know, it can just be something that you store up and like, oh, cool, this is a cool thing. But it would, it would be terrible of me to walk away from this situation and not let you know how you can experience it, right? So all of this may be a reality. All of this may be true. Great. But how do you actually experience it? Petey, what does that actually mean for my life? And how can I say that, God, I want you to breathe on my situation? Well, what you don't know is that I've been teaching you a biblical concept this whole time, and you didn't even know it, <laughs> suckers. So let me read to you. Let me read to you from the book of Psalm chapter 40. This is, this is fascinating. Ready? It says this. It says, I waited, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. 
He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put trust in the Lord. It's so easy for us to throw around this phrase of like, hey, man, all you got to do is wait on the Lord. And unfortunately, sometimes that has such a negative connotation to it. You know, it's almost like a means to an end. You're like, oh, here we go. Just got to walk into a season of waiting on the Lord. I don't even really know what that means. Do I just sit back and just cross my arms and like, all right, when's this going to go down? You know, what does that actually mean? But here's, here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. See, when you sit back and you wait on the Lord, what's happening is you're letting God in. And when God gets in there and you open your heart to everything that God has for you, he breathes on situations, right? He breathes on circumstance. He breathes on your finances. He breathes on your family and your friends and your workplace. And in that moment, restores it, transforms it, and makes it new. And sometimes it happens in a night, and sometimes it happens in a year. But God is breathing on everything that you do, and you have the power to let him start. That's the power that you have. Because I'm here to tell you, that when you let God in, when you let God breathe on your situ- situation, vitality is a reality for you. You can get vitality. You can feel repurposed. You can feel that it can become who you are. When you just sit back, you wait on the Lord, and you let him breathe on the situations that you may find yourself in. And I'm here to tell you right here and now that I learned this in this season and today. I stand on this platform today because I finally made a decision, God, I'm going to wait on you, and I'm going to persevere. But luckily, Luckily, what the Bible tells us is suffering produces perseverance, which produces character, which then produces hope. And if there's a world without hope, I do not want to live in it. But I'm telling you, there's a hope. And his name is Jesus. And he's here, and he wants to breathe on each and every one of your situations. Waiting on the Lord is not a means to an end. It's a means to extend. God wants to grow you, develop you, be with you, sanctify you, be more like him. The the whole purpose of this was to make man in his image and in his likeness. And each and every day, all that God wants is for you to become more like him, become more like his image and restore yourself right back to his likeness so that you can experience heaven now. Did you know this? You don't have to wait. You can experience parts of heaven right now, right where you are. And all you got to do is make a decision, God, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to let you breathe. And I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm firsthand knowledge right here, that he'll do it, and it'll change your life forever and there's no looking back. So here's what we're going to do. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. You know, I was studying for this, and, and I, was, I was asking God who this message was for, and God made it pretty clear to me that this isn't a message for just a few people, that this is a message for everybody. And this is something that you can always carry in your back pocket to know, like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm, I don't know what's going on, or maybe things are great, whatever. But this is a phrase you can carry in your pocket wherever you go when you just say, let it breathe. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to let it breathe. This is a message for everybody. So here's, here's what I want to do. If there's a situation or a circumstance or any sort of problem or, or, or disheartening thing going on in your life, and it welled up inside you during our time here tonight, and you want God to breathe on it, I'm going I'm to count to three. I'm going to want you to raise your hand. If there's a situation tonight, a person, a family member, a financial struggle, any sort of struggle in your life, that you want God to breathe on. I want you to signify that by lifting a hand in three, two, one. Lift them high. All right, so now I'm going to break. Keep your hands up. Keep those hands up and keep them high and proud. This is good. So I'm going to break all rules of preaching right now, but you just got to trust me on this one, okay? This is what I want you all to do. Everybody keep your hand raised high. And everybody around here, I want you to open your eyes and look around. Do you see how many hands are in the air right now? 
That's what this is evidence of. It's evidence of not just God breathing on individual situations, but this is evidence of God breathing on our church. This is evidence of the kingdom of God advancing in a way like it never has before in the history of mankind. And so I'm here to tell you, do not be ashamed to sit back and wait on the Lord and let him breathe on you. Because the more that you grow as an individual, the more the kingdom grows. And the more the kingdom grows, the bigger impact we have on bringing heaven to earth now. So I'm going I'm to pray for you. You can put your hands down now. I'm going to pray for all of y'all who, who put your hand up in the air. But I don't want to end any night ever without asking um, this question that I'm going to ask. So if you'll close your eyes and bow your head one more time. If maybe tonight... Um, you experienced Jesus in a way that you've never experienced God before. Maybe tonight you, didn't, you never made the realization that God's not just supernatural, but he's also physical and he's in creation. In fact, he lives at a molecular level inside of you. And maybe tonight you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus. And maybe you want God to breathe on you for the rest of your life and you're ready to boldly stand up and say, God, I give my heart either back to you or to you for the first time. If that's you, I want you to signify that by lifting your hand in three, two, it's great. So good. It's awesome. You can put them down. Thank you so much. So here's what we're going to do. I, I, I just want to pray for everybody who just raised their hand uh, um, to accept Jesus. And we're going to pray that prayer together. And then I want to pray for everybody who raised their hand for God to breathe on their situations here tonight. Okay? So uh, if, if you'll repeat this after me, because, man, heaven is rejoicing right now for the amount of people who are now recommitting or committing themselves right back to God again, and he's ready to breathe. He's puckered up, and he's ready to go. And so if you guys will repeat after me, we're going to pray this together. God, I love you. I give my heart to you. I give my everything to you. God, I thank you for Jesus and for the price he paid for me. God, I put my trust in you. I put my all in your hands. And I commit my life to you, my past, my present, and my future. Amen. Amen. God, I just want to pray for everybody who raised a hand here tonight, God, that you just breathe on whatever circumstance or situation that they may be struggling with. God, any struggle, any, any shortfall, anything that they are feeling, God, I just pray that you breathe on their situations here tonight. God, that you breathe on them in a way like you never have before. And God, that you transform them in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, here tonight. God, that you make them new. God, that you give them the boldness and the confidence to sit back and wait on you and know that you want to do a work in them like you've never done on planet Earth before. God, I just pray, God, that as you breathe into their hearts, Jesus, God, that you pull the scales off their eyes and they see you for who you are. God, a loving, gracious, incredible God. God, we just thank you so much for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. God, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? Yeah.